Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Rant, where me and Simon talk about the prices, the markets, and whatever the hell we want. Hey, Simon, how's it going? Yes, very well, Will. So today we are talking about a few you know, new interesting things, like the Uniswap version 4. We'll talk about what that is about. Uh, Solana 4, is that really a thing? There's still some silly stuff going on by the SEC, and we might just touch on that a little bit, because to be honest, I'm getting a little bit bored about talking about the SEC, because they don't control the world, they don't control crypto, but it's big news and it has actions. And of course, BlackRock, one of the biggest asset managers in the space, what are they doing in the space? So I think big things to talk about. Let's get into it, shall we? Yes, Simon. I guess the first thing is the Solana fork. So a couple of days ago, uh, Solana was trending on Twitter, being that a bunch of the community wanted to fork it. And the reason they wanted to do that was because Solana was mentioned as a security by the SEC. And so the community goes, well, fine, let's let's pretend that Sol is a security. What are we going to do about it? And one of the suggestions was to fork Solana, start their own blockchain, start a Solan coin or something similar, and pretty much let the SEC do whatever they want to do with Sol, the token, but essentially have the blockchain fork and run something else. I thought that was a pretty novel solution. What do you think, Simon? Uh, look, it's a fairly novel solution, I guess, to yeah, fork the chain, airdrop to everyone. Therefore, there's you know no initial sale. Therefore, it's not a security. I think mm-hmm. it's just a bit more of tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff than anything real and serious. But I think mm-hmm. at this point in time, we're sitting there going, well, it's good to have these silly conversations and how we can get around these rules because SEC are being really restrictive and you know really holding space back in many ways. So this is you know the novel way that people think about how to avoid these issues, I guess. Yeah, I mean it is pretty tongue in cheek because when I saw it, I, I kind of just had a giggle and but I thought to myself, would it work though? I mean, there's obviously uh, people who are being uh, sued by the SEC for selling a security. Now, the thing is, these are specific uh, people or entities. It could be a company that loans Solana. I I don't know. But regardless, there's an entity that goes to court uh, for selling uh, tokens as a security, and there's investors as well who are holding those tokens. But then I thought, yeah, what would happen if Solana actually did uh, fork this, or if the community did? At this point, the community is really could be anybody they could be anonymous just fork that and then there's the validators who decide well um, which is the more successful fork and then maybe 50 percent go to the new solana and another 50 percent stay with solana classic but then at that point i feel like the sec wouldn't really know what to do because yeah they could go ahead and sue the solana classic people that's fine but then the new solana fork really doesn't even have anybody to sue <laughs> Assuming, assuming they couldn't find the forkers. The yeah, forkers I think it's it. <laughs> the forkers who forked it. Exactly. I think it's a case of Solana has gotten too too big of a network now to simply just go and do silly things like this. So it's not as simple as just forking and seeing what happens because developers still need to move these things over. So I know I get what you're saying. The validators get to choose which kind of chain works, but it's also the developers who get to choose which. Know, fork is going to work because they're going to either stay with the existing one or move to the next one. So it's not a given that this would happen. So I think Solana's community is too big, it's too robust. 
And I think it's more tongue in cheek than anything that's actually going to evolve from it. But I think it's mm. just, yeah, it's just letting everyone know that not everyone's happy about the SEC. But at the same time, we'll sit there and say that does a developer really care with the Solana security? Does it really stop their project from you know, using this blockchain technology? And I kind of think the answer is no. I don't necessarily think a developer really cares. They just want to use a blockchain that makes their project work really well. Whether that project mm. is classified as a security doesn't matter. And remember, this doesn't matter to anybody who is outside of the US as well. So yeah, developers don't care. Developers are her who are advancing and innovating this space. So I'll, I'll follow them rather than the SEC. Yeah. And indeed, to be fair, the SEC does make a lot of noise. But really, as far as I know, they haven't really stopped any project that is of significance. Uh, they've gone through a whole bunch of projects. And XRP has surprisingly been under the SEC for a while. But my feeling is that eventually they're going to get a slap on the wrist, a few million dollars fine, and then be allowed to go ahead. Um, now, you take a project like Solana that has a bigger community, I feel, than XRP. XRP is just a token. There's nothing built on top of that. So something like Solana with a whole ecosystem, exchanges. Yeah, like you're right, Simon. The SEC can do what they want and they can even forbid it in America. <laughs> but really, it's going to be running everywhere else. There's still developers. There's still people making money running businesses on top of Solana. So Solana is probably safe. Yeah, for sure. I think they'll be fine. So let's move on, mate. Let's talk about the Uniswap version mm. 4. So for those who don't know what Uniswap is, well, it is the biggest decentralized Ethereum automatic market maker. So it's a decentralized exchange. It has been far and away the biggest out there. It wasn't necessarily the first, but it's definitely the biggest now by volume. Everybody in the space has probably used it who's been around for long enough. So they've gone through three versions so far. So version four is about to come out, or well, not about to come out. They've announced plans for it, and they're going to take their time with it because they're going to get community feedback, which is very interesting on how to better develop this. And the main reason behind that is that they're talking about this new system that they're building to your version four, which is called Hooks which is a funny way of saying, I think more like plugins. So what they're going to allow is other people to write code that will interact with their liquidity pools. So I think this is a really interesting use case and it's allowing other people to dictate how a liquidity pool works in Uniswap, which is really cool and really unique. And that allows things like on-chain limit orders, which has been a big thing that people want. It's allowing uh, different fee structures. It's allowing different actual mechanisms for fees. Like fees are currently only made by uh, people who trade in it, but they may add fees for people who add liquidity to pools. So I think the ideas are, you know, a lot of ideas can become out there from the rest of the developers, the rest of the community. So I think that's a big change. But what are your thoughts on version four, Uniswap? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that's amazing. And I love what they've done in that they've released their vision. They've got a white paper out there. And on top of that, they want collaboration from developers. So that's really huge. And like you mentioned, the hooks, and that's a really cool way of putting it, plugins. That's amazing. And so, like you said, on-chain limit orders could be pretty cool. And I saw that other things that are being floated out there is uh, your LP as it's generating interest, that being auto-compounded, which is amazing. You don't have to go there and take care of it yourself. But something that I really liked was uh, what they're calling out-of-range liquidity being put into lending protocols. That means that 
because with, with Uniswap V3, uh, you can decide uh, where you want to put your liquidity. Uh, once when, when you put your liquidity in uh, your earlier versions of Uniswap and, and other AMMs, it's kind of spread over the whole price curve. And that means that when the price of a token uh, goes beyond a certain point, uh, like the the tokens at the lower end of the pricing range aren't really being used. They're kind of just sitting there idle. So now what Uniswap V3 does is it lets you concentrate all of your liquidity and say, well, the price of, let's say, Ethereum is between $2,000 and $2,500. I'm going to put all my liquidity there at that point so that it's being used and uh, it's being used by everyone and none of it is sitting idle. But now with V4, what happens if, if the price goes up beyond my liquidity range? Well, that liquidity is taken to a lending platform like Aave, and it's used there until the price drops back down. That means that I'm earning money on my LP, whether it's within the price curve or not. And that's just one of the examples. There's probably all sorts of things that developers are going to come up with. And so... I think it's really cool that Uniswap released this vision and they said, hey, guys, come work with us. It makes me super bullish for Uniswap. Yeah, well, wow. I didn't actually know that part of it. That's a really cool idea of how to use the hooks to unuse our funds to be going and earning interest. It's just a brilliant idea. And again, it's just more of this whole concept of this DeFi Lego box of just all this kind of interconnectedness. So Uniswap being such a central, huge part of the decentralized DeFi community, they're now you know, embracing that and letting other people help build it for the future. I think this is huge. I think it's gonna take a long time, I feel, for people to make this migration. People migrating from V1 to V2 to V3, it was fairly simple because I think the changes weren't as significant. And I don't think people will know how big these changes could be until developers start coming up with these interesting ideas. But I think it's very exciting, very bullish for uni. Very bullish for the uni token. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic space and it's really great to see the OG DeFi applications still going forward. Mm. Speaking of exchanges, what's this about Prometheum on Twitter? <laughs> Who the hell are they and what are they doing? Uh, well, for people who haven't been involved in this one, this is just SEC circus stuff. And it's kind of a bit more of a, of a giggle than anything else, is that everyone kind of knows, and we've talked about it, how the SEC are going after Binance, they're going after Coinbase, they're going after Gemini, the big exchanges that everyone's using in the US. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this company called Prometheum, who is a crypto exchange, are in front of Congress talking about how good the SEC are, how great they are with these security laws that they're bringing out, and that they are the only crypto exchange that has got the backing of the SEC. And the whole crypto community have gone, and you are who? And so it <laughs> seemed very scripted. It seemed very forced. I've watched some of the video footage of it, and I've probably read more of the commentary because the commentary on Twitter is a bit more funny. But people are going, is this literally a hand puppet put in front of Congress by the SEC? Because these guys virtually have no exchange. It's the tiniest company ever. Mm -hmm. And then the funny thing is, is that they say that they're SEC approved, they're SEC backed, but they're listing the same mm -hmm. securities. They've been selling the same securities that the big exchanges have, and they're 
if anything, they've been a bit worse. They've actually created their own token as well, which has basically no utility and value. So mm-hmm. how can these be poster boys? Why are they in front of the SEC? Who cares about them when you've got Binance's, your Kraken's, Coinbase? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they there talking about this stuff? Why have they got this other person out there? So for me, it's just the shit show of the SEC and the system that's going on over there and people can't take them seriously when these kind of things are occurring. I think that's the real sad thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to take the SEC seriously at this point. And I'm really glad. I think it was this week where a judge ruled that the SEC couldn't really stop it was either Binance or Coinbase from operating. So the, the judge said that they couldn't Binance, really it was give. Binance. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted it, to it was see absurd. Binance assets. Yeah, it's was, it was absurd. And the judge goes, um, yeah, you guys are getting high on your power and it's a little bit too much. And he said, like, just just fix it and then come back when you have a real solution. I think the SEC just goes a little bit too far. I don't know what's going on in that place. Yeah, that yeah. one was kind of like a round one win in this fight for Binance there when it got thrown out that the SEC could seize and freeze all of Binance yeah. US's assets. Binance US assets, people should be aware of, is very separate to Binance International. So mm-hmm. that's good news that the SEC just don't have the power to basically shut down the entire exchange and freeze all everyone's assets. That's a good thing. Yeah. And we'll see how long this goes and keeps going. As we said before, the SEC have got you know, a big fight against them here and it's going to go for a long time. And then throwing things like Prometheum out there, I don't know. It's just a bit of a mm-hmm. bit funny at the moment. And I guess people outside of the US can just look at them and laugh. That's what we get to do. Which <laughs> is what we do. <laughs> what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. You, you fools over there. You're, you're making fools of yourselves. And you're making it hard for your citizens. Yeah. But hey, that's what it is. Is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, to yeah, make it funnier, the Americans. <laughs> to make it funnier, what's going on there? Yeah. Bitcoin spot ETFs. So there's a Bitcoin spot ETF in most Western countries now. There's definitely one in Australia. I know there's plenty in Europe. The US has never approved mm-hmm. them, even though all the big players over there have been trying. Your Coinbase, your big exchanges have been trying, constantly rejected. I know that Gemini, Gemini has been trying for a very, very long time. They've had multiple proposals to get a spot ETF going. All of them have been rejected by the SEC. Now, all of a sudden, BlackRock. BlackRock being the Mm. largest asset manager in the world. So people who don't know what BlackRock is, BlackRock own a bit of every single company in the world. That's basically who BlackRock are. They have so many funds under management that if you want to go and and Google who they own, they have shares in basically every single company that's out there. So they have so much money, so much power. They are filing for a Bitcoin ETF. Ooh, what's, a bet, what's a bet it gets approved? What, what's a bet this one gets approved? <laughs> you know, as, I was going to say before, uh, when we were talking about Prometheum, I feel like it's money fighting against money. And and it's it's all about profit. And if, if BlackRock wants to make money off of Bitcoin, they've got $8 trillion in, 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 in their funds. And who knows how much influence they hold. So... If I'm a betting man, I'd kind of bet on this one. It makes me bullish. I mean, it's bullish anyway that BlackRock is filing for it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I just kind of, kind of excited. Think Black, yeah. BlackRock know how to grease the wheels. I think. I think they've got the connections to make this happen. 
whereas the other ones don't. I mean, it's you'll see all those funny memes out there where you know from probably like four or five years ago there would have been statements from BlackRock saying you know crypto's a scourge and all these kind of things. Hmm. It was like your, your JP Morgan's kind of saying, oh, it's you know it's rat poison and all these kind of things. And now they're all coming around to it. So now BlackRock are coming around to it, and they've got the power to push into this place. So you can't deny TradFi. TradFi's ability to move into the space. They're, they're there to make money. And now that they've found a way to make money from it, they'll go all in. And I think that's what BlackRock are doing here. I think it'll get approved. I think they've got enough power, enough oh, yeah. sway. They'll get approved. Which oh, yeah. piss off and... everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coinbase won't be happy, but they're not that big yet. I mean, yeah, BlackRock is orders of magnitude bigger than any of any of these other people. So this is huge. And uh, if the F- SEC says yes to these guys, well, they start having to say yes to everybody else. Uh, Bitcoin is making its way in. So, you know, here we go. Yeah, it's bullish for the price. I mean, it, it won't come in straight away. It, it obviously takes a fair few months for this to go through the system, but it's timing really well. If the spot ETF comes out and is available to the market, you know, around about the time of Bitcoin halving next year, you know, that's really bullish for prices. It's going to allow so much more money to be able to come into space. All, so much money sitting on the sidelines that doesn't want to go down the path of self-custody. They can use the ETF to to get their, their, their exposure to Bitcoin. It's it's huge for the market. So yeah. we've been wanting this yeah. for a long time in the US. It'll be big. And and I think, and I think what else uh, might happen if uh, these guys do get accepted is that we might start seeing large price swings. So not just on the way up, because uh, face it, um, if if BlackRock come in, it's going to be uh, spot price, maybe even futures. So there'll be all these kinds of betting happening with, with Bitcoin. And with a big influx of money, it means we get way more volatility up and also down as well, which for me is exciting. I, I love volatility, which whichever way. Uh, so this is really cool, I think. I, I disagree on that. I don't think that inc- it will increase volatility. I think it will decrease it because the funding that's going to come into this is going to be you know, superannuation funds, pension funds, or you know, large organizations who are not in the game of buying and selling. They're going to be putting their money into the mm. hold. You know, Typically, mm. ETFs are used to buy into share markets. And you know, a lot of that money that goes into those is not planning on selling anytime soon. So I think it's a big influx of money that's coming to buy and hold Bitcoin. So I think price goes up mm. and then price stabilizes. And then there's less sellers in the market as well because there's more long-term hodlers. So I actually think it will... Yes, yeah, stabilize money more than anything else. Stabilize volatility mm. more than anything else. But you know, we'll wait and see. Mm. Actually, that's interesting. If it does go into uh, retirement funds and everything like that, yeah, that that would be a, a pretty huge stabilizing factor. Um, but it's a wait and see. Let's see. Let's see. Definitely wait and see. Yeah. So, last thing for us to have a chat about today, mate, is let's have a look at the prices. So, I believe at the start of this year. In fact, I know at the start of this year, we talked about 2023 being very much so an up and down year, but with a large range. And so mm. we're seeing that now, I feel. You know, we, we broke 30,000 and we're now back down. The Bitcoin's around about 25,000, a little bit more than that. So it's like, you know, yep. 10%, 10% moved basically, or 20% moved even more. So we're in that range, mm. but I think, because we're going down and we've been going down for a little while now, 
people feeling pain. What are your thoughts? Mm, for sure. I mean, it's painful. Like we've been going down since April and um, yeah, that's, that's a painful drop. April, May and June. I, I feel like we're hitting the end of the, uh, the current downtrend. I feel like we're going to um, uh, sort of a trend sideways for a while, but come July, uh, I think indicators point up. Um, from from what I'm looking at over here, the the bot activity is slowing down. Uh, you can you can see the the bots and the volume that they're buying and that they're selling is reducing, and you, the buying is slowly starting to happen. I think so. My prediction is uh, sideways, and in July we start to see the market going up. Yeah, I tend to agree with that because I think for, we had you know really big April and then May was a bit of a down month and so we're, we're continuing that downward trend and then obviously we had the SEC come out with their news and so that put fear into the market that was a definitely a fear-based news element so especially the uh, tokens listed by the SEC as securities that they've taken a big tumble you know your Solanas and your Maddox your Cardenas they're all down like 30 percent so that's a big drop for them mm. but your Bitcoin Ethereum's are down 10 15 percent so I think that that news is probably starting to fade into the background now because at the end of the day, Solana's, Yamatics, your Cardenas, they're still pushing forward, they're still moving forward, they're still developing, they're still building projects. So for them, nothing changed, just the market got mm. spooked and the prices went down a lot. Could they go down further? Yeah, they could, but I, I kind of, in your same camp there, mate, I feel that we've had a fair push down here and the market is probably due to settle a bit before you know going yeah. back up in that range. And I'm not talking about crashing you know new all-time highs again, but heading back up towards the thirty thousand ETH, heading back heading thirty thousand Bitcoin and the two thousand ETH. I feel we're going to go head back up to that range and and sit in that for a while, unless something mm. other crazy news comes out. But that's where I feel we are. Some other news big comes down out. press, yeah, big down press pressure now, and I feel that downwards pressure is starting to ease. Yeah, and I guess you're right in that markets do tend to overreact. So they probably did overreact to the SEC news. And people forgot that the SEC has been around for years and they've been doing this month in, month out. I don't know why they became highlighted this time around. Maybe it's because they're talking about Coinbase and Binance. But the SEC is a new and it's been going for projects all the time. And these projects always survive, most, well, more often than not. So probably overreacted and probably realizing now that Solana and all these other tokens are a little bit undervalued and so yeah I'm I'm looking forward to next month yeah it's always a case of you know zoom out this is a sideways year zoom out and have you know that couple years perspective on it and this will just be seen as noise in the future I think mm. Yeah, and well, I guess that covers it for today. If you're still here, uh, remember to give us a like and a subscribe. And thank you, Simon, for your thoughts. And till next time, and to our viewers, stay curious. Thanks, Will.